It's only two games in the NBA on Thursday, but that doesn't matter because we're still going to talk about everything that happened, waiver wire trends, things that we need to know for fantasy basketball. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I'm just waiting for a mate. I'm also the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com, and you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore beeble, on TikTok at redrock underscore beeble, and on Instagram at locked on fantasy basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code all lowercase locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Thank you also for making locked on fantasy basketball your first listen every day. We are free, we are available on all platforms. Okay. It's only two games today, a bit of a light one, which is cool. We'll uh, we'll just go through what we need to go through from these games. Still a couple of interesting things that did happen. We'll talk news, we'll talk waiver wire trends as well. So let's uh, I was gonna say let's crack in. We're not in a rush though, are we? But doesn't matter. I'm not gonna muck around here. Oh, that's the wrong stinger. That doesn't matter. Should I hit the other one as well? Yeah, might as well. We've got the time. This is the daily recap for Thursday's action across the NBA. Let's start off by just having a look. Add a little bit of news that has dropped. I did do a nine-game, uh, the nine-game Friday preview slate with streaming options uh, already. You can go check that out. That is up on the channel and up on your podcast feed. So we've got the news on Tyler Hero and on Cam Thomas, both with ankle sprains yesterday, both going to be out at least two weeks. That is not a shock. Uh, Hero said that yesterday. He's got a grade two uh, ankle sprain. I'd expect probably three, maybe four. And I wouldn't be shocked if Cam Thomas is in the same boat. Now, with Hero going out last game, we saw Kyle Lowry step into a larger usage role. We saw a lot of minutes go to Duncan Robinson. I would, I would, it's, it's going to be tough. It's not going to be an easy thing to work out every game what happens there. Lowry is probably the guy that we add. You could consider Dunk if you're looking for some threes. Haywood Highsmith, which is a little bit irrespective of what. Um, or hero in or out, but he put up some good numbers last game. The deeper league guy I think we look at is Jaime Huckers, and I wouldn't be shocked if Huckers starts. Josh Richardson, unfortunately, looks washed, um, but he might be able to regain some form too. So it could be Robinson, it could be Richardson, it could be Huckers, but I think the only guy that's you know, he's already got a role and is probably going to increase that is Kyle Lowry in that scenario. As for the Nets, Cam Johnson returns and Cam Thomas is out. So there might not be a straight-up winner there as Johnson might just not necessarily move into all of Thomas's 55 shots per game, but at least into some of that role. And then you get a couple of extra shots going to Lonnie Walker, to Dinwiddie, to Mikhail Bridges, to Finney Smith. So I don't know that there's going to be... I don't think Lonnie Walker's going... Look, if Cam Johnson had been out, I would have said Lonnie Walker might have been the pickup, but I think we'd almost get close enough to a straight swap of Johnson for Thomas, the two cams over there in uh, in Brooklyn that it just doesn't give Lonnie quite enough to have more than fleeting uh, value. Now, if Ben Simmons is out, then we do look at Lonnie and we look a little bit more at Dennis Smith as well because they're going to have to absorb the 30 minutes that Simmons normally plays in that game too. So that's another thing that you can take a look at there in Brooklyn. 
We got the news that Devin Booker has, in fact, been ruled out. When I did that preview show, I expected that Booker will be out. We haven't heard on Anthony Davis. He is still questionable. But we did get the news that De'Aaron Fox, unfortunately for Kings fans, he has taken last season's success to his head, and he just doesn't want it enough anymore. So he'll be resting once more, um, just doesn't want to be out there and playing, and he'll be out again for Friday's game, which is unfortunate for Kings fans. You made the playoffs, uh, and now your stars are just taking it too easy, just resting on their laurels. Of course, Kings fans, don't get triggered. I am joking. He's injured, legitimately. But to the handful of Kings fans who could not could not help themselves but to comment on any time I talked about the Kings last season, that the reason that they didn't get hurt last season was because A, they had a, a squad of young players who weren't injury prone, and B, they just wanted it more than every other team and had the training staff have the key to success of no injuries. You don't. Injuries just happen. It sucks. We all want Darren Fox out there, but unfortunately he's not, and um, hopefully he gets back soon. Davion Mitchell did not start last game. It was Keon Ellis in that spot, but Mitchell was the better performer. But the guy that we want in that scenario to stream in is Malik Monk. Very clearly. It was very clearly that last game. It's him, then Herder, then probably Mitchell, and then just a hodgepodge of bullshit behind that. Like Duarte is not really an option. Vizenkov's out of the rotation. Kessler Edwards is back in. It's, it's going to be Monk is the guy that we look at with Mitchell and Herder, or Herder and Mitchell in that order following behind in terms of stream value for the Kings. So that's our updates at the moment across the uh, across the fantasy landscape. Let's have a look at some stuff that is going along and some trends across the fantasy basketball waiver wire. The waiver wire. I don't know why I said it that way. Um, the most added players over the last 24 hours. Number one is Kelly Olenek. Yes, Walker Kessler is out. Olenek was added. He didn't play well with foul trouble on, on Wednesday. I don't care. I still think you need to add him. I don't think that he would have played 20 minutes a night if he didn't have five fouls or 20 minutes in that last game. He would have played more. So he is a 12-team league ad, and he is still widely available. Even though he's up 24%, that's using our advanced roster percentage over at Basketball Monster, he's available. Add him. Jalen Smith, people added him to stream in today, and then we got absolutely sideways rooted by the Pacers, who decided to put out a tweet at three minutes before the game was uh, expected to start which, of course, expected to start, I say, at 3 to 7 Eastern. And they said, Jalen Smith, back, is available to play. Sick. You hadn't actually listed him on the injury report beforehand, so we didn't know that there was a problem. And then you came out with a tweet and said, hey, guys, Jalen's good to go. Cool, didn't know that. Didn't know that he was in doubt to go, but you've told us he was available. 10 minutes later, oh, psych, that's the wrong number. Jalen Smith's out. Out of nowhere. I will, I will defend NBA players. I will defend NBA training staffs regarding load management, resting, actual injuries where anytime someone is out, people are going to jump on the top of their soapbox and yell at the top of their lungs. These guys are faking. They're not hurt. This happened, literally happened with Bradley Beal opening night. The amount of dickheads with large platforms that said that they were faking this injury and load management. Of course, it took three weeks for Bradley Beal to play. They never retract that ever. I will always defend those situations. Bad injury reporting, I will not. The NBA needs to make some very, very clear and strict rules on this stuff. Now, obviously, there was a problem with Jalen Smith's back. Because A, they wouldn't have tweeted out that Smith was available to play with a back problem that we didn't know existed, but you know, three minutes before lineup locks. This is not just a fantasy or gambling thing, although they are a big part of the NBA. 
This is just a general reporting thing. I'm not saying you have to force him to play if the back gets worse, but there's got to be something that stops this sort of thing of, or you know, if you have to make a very late change with a guy being scratched late in the game, there's a fine or some sort of penalty to it. You have to submit a team sheet at a certain point, in or out, and yeah, injuries can happen at any point. I get that, right? But this, the way that injuries are reported and lineups are reported is still very, very, I won't say amateur, but it's close enough to it, amateur. It's very close to it. So anyway, people added Jalen Smith to stream him in today, and it didn't work. You couldn't have known that, of course, because there was no, no reporting whatsoever on this back injury. So it was probably the right move. Keontae George up 20%. Sure, you, you, you're you all very much well across my position on Keontae George and the potential value that might come. Patience is required, but I would add him. Jay Crowder up 18%. Part of that is a stream for today. But I do think there's going to be some value for him, at least in 14-teamers. Kyle Lowry, we just talked about, up 15%. And then the other one, we're going to talk about him later on. The big fella, the Humpty Dumpty man. Eggs legend, Benedict Matherin, up 15%. Those people who added him today... Pretty happy after last game. Now I'm still. I'll, actually, I'll talk about him in, in a bit more depth later on. Um, but yeah, good. Good on them for adding him after the last the last time we saw him before today. Which again, we'll get into more of that in a uh, in a moment. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. With Jace Medical, they provide the Jace case, right? The five life saving antibiotics that you can have at home in case there's a situation where you desperately need them. That's Great to have that peace of mind, and we just hope we never have to use them. But Jace is doing some other stuff with the Jace case now as well. It doesn't just have to be five life-saving antibiotics. They can do one-year supplies of other medications that you take daily. So in case there is supply chain difficulties, you're always going to have that peace of mind of having your medication with you. Whatever that medication is, there is a selection available at Jace that you can add into your Jace case, and it includes generic versions of erectile dysfunction medications like generic Cialis and generic Viagra. So you can get 20 bucks off your order at the Jace case at Jace Medical by using the code locked on. That is J-A-S-E, Jace, J-A-S-E medical.com and use that code locked on and you can save 20 bucks. All right, let's look at the most dropped players. Taylor Horton Tucker down 18%. That's rightfully so, I believe. He is not a very good player. He's going to be on and off rosters, right? Because he's going to have games where he gets six assists. He's going to have games where he plays 24 minutes. He's going to be a popular stream guy. I, I truly believe that. And if you did want to hold him, I get it. I just think his minutes are going to be cut down now. Don't know why it took this long, but we saw the pencil Harrison Barnes. Barnesy. At the top of this list, down 12%. You should not be bothering with holding on to Harrison Barnes, quite clearly. Eric Gordon, down 9%. Probably didn't need to be auto-dropped. I know he struggled in the last game, but Booker is still out. You can drop him after that. Um, Dylan Brooks, down 8%. All right, look. I know that I can be against Dylan Brooks, but he did have one game where he struggled. And he'd been playing really well before that. I'm not sure I would have been that quick on the trigger with Brooksy. I don't think he's going to stay as a 12-team league guy, but it wouldn't have been that quick on the trigger. Dyson Daniels down seven. We don't know whether Herb or Zion are going to play in the game on Friday. So if they're both out, Dyson would have been worth holding on to. But I'm okay with dropping him just to get someone else in on Thursday. Totally okay. And then people have pulled the pin on Andrew Wiggins. Down 7%. And 
it is rightfully so. It's not only that the shot's not going in, it's everything else is down, the minutes are down, the usage are down, all percentages are down. He looks not right. And as I've mentioned a million times, I'm not sure the upside justifies a hold. He will get better. Well, if he doesn't, like honestly, if he doesn't, his NBA career is in real trouble. He will get better, but I'm not sure it's worth waiting on. So if you need to pull the pin on it, pull the pin. It's okay. I think you'll be okay. More so in a category league than in a points league, but don't be blindsided by the all-star starter status. That's a hard word to, to that's a hard phrase to throw out there. All-star starter status from a couple of years ago. If you need to move on from him, you, you might need to do it with the way that things are tracking at the moment. Let us look at the next game. Well, the first game, actually. It is the Indiana Pacers 126, the Milwaukee Bucks 124. I I'm old enough. <laughs> To remember when the Pacers jerseys were released and people said this, the City Edition jersey is just disgusting. They're all terrible. The Pacers one, what is this? Looks like a child drew it. And then today, man, these Pacers jerseys are growing on me. Man, their court looks sick. Wow, this is amazing. <laughs> and I know you can't paint everybody with the same brush, but so much of the hatred of so much of these things is the fact that you haven't seen it. And the way that I know this is that when you see an overwhelming positive response to anything that's retro, and an overwhelming negative response to anything that's introduced as new, that's generally the reason why. So people have seen the Pacers jerseys a couple of times now. They saw the court today, and they're starting to like them. And in like five years' time, people are going to be, man, remember those Pacers jerseys from 2023? We should bring those back as a retro. I'm, it's going to happen. All right? Heat culture, not so much. Pacers jerseys, yeah, they are. Just let them grow on you. I think if you disagree with them today, maybe they're just not for you. But I think they're going to grow on you. Um, anyway, I don't know what the point of that was. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's look at this game because the Bucks didn't have Damian Lillard, who early in the day was questionable with a calf issue, and he did pull out Giggity with that calf uh, problem. He's had some calf issues a couple of years in a row, I believe. Uh, he's had that his annual Christmas uh, absence over the last couple of seasons where the calf has bothered him. He is getting old. And calf injuries, correct me if I'm wrong, sports trainers out there, Calf injuries seem to me, anecdotally, to increase, as most injuries do, but calves in particular, the older you get. A little worrying. Cameron Payne started in his spot, seven points in 30 minutes for five assists. That's not a dreadful line. It's okay, and he is going to still be worth a stream option if Lillard misses. But what about Yanni? Fresh off getting ejected for one of the worst ejections you'll ever see, although that's a very crowded field. He dropped 54 and 12 with three assists. He also somehow went 17 of 18, oh, sorry, 16 of 18 from the line. Shout out to you can never win a week with free throw percentage with Giannis and shot 76 from the field, which had been dropping down. He wasn't able to tie it all together for an absolute gigantic monster because he had no defensive stats and hit no threes. But still, he took on the big usage, 48 usage with Lillard gone and dominated. They just couldn't win. Brooke Lopez still struggling, two points in 29 minutes. I wouldn't drop him. Eventually, he's not going to be a 14% shooter like he was here, 14%, but two steals and three blocks. It'll come. It's just He's just 35, right? It's not going to be as good as it was last season, most likely. Malik Beasley played 29 minutes. I think that's in large part with Lillard gone. I, I, he had some... I think he suffered an injury towards the end, but some horrific defense on Halliburton. I don't think he maintains these minutes. Like, this line's all right. 13 points, three threes, four rebounds for Beasley, but I don't think we add him. While Portis had 11 and 8, 24 minutes, a few extra minutes there as Crowder pushed down to help uh, ease the absence of uh, Lillard. 
Crowder played 29 minutes, had five points, only took two shots. He's going to be a deeper league stream option with um, uh, with the Beasley minutes, I think, dropping down. Well, Middleton still only played 20 minutes. He had 19 points with four assists on 36 usage on 54%. So when he's out there, the production is actually okay, which you couldn't ask for much more for a bloke that's consistently limited to 20 minutes. I just don't know when the minutes are going to come up. And it is it is annoying. Absolutely, it's annoying. Because this is one of the slowest ramp-ups we've seen. It's almost three weeks in now, and it's like 19, 19, 20, 21, 20. There's no ramp-up at all, basically. Maybe he was 17 he started at. But at least he's playing. At least he's playing. For the Pacers, Halliburton, 29, 6, and 10, 5 threes, 59% shooting. He's putting up some very strong numbers at the moment. And the Shark, who, again, me and Dan Besbris talked about that earlier today, and people are asking whether you drop him. No, you don't. 11, 9, and 7, two steals, a block. One, three, 38 minutes. There, are, there is going to be, I, I let me 100%. Look, in a point C, you probably don't, it doesn't have to be must roster 12. But I've banged on about this all through the, the offseason and the preseason. We don't pay enough attention to game-to-game variance in head-to-head fantasy. If head-to-head fantasy, whether it's points or categories, is a weekly event. Season-long averages are fine, but they don't actually give you that information of what happens across a week. You are going to have bad weeks. You are going to have bad months. You are going to have strong months and strong weeks. And sometimes it works in your favor and sometimes it doesn't. Brown, who has a strong role, had a great game here. 11, 9, 7, 2 steals and a block. That's an awesome game. But again, just remember that variance is going to hit and it's going to hit hard and Bruce Brown should be rostered in all leagues. Miles Turner, after the low minutes yesterday, played 37 with Jalen Smith out, 21-6-4 with four threes. And Obi Toppin, just 13 minutes. Now, normally you'd see Aaron Neesmith step into a larger role, but Neesmith got five fouls, Toppin got four fouls. 13 minutes for Toppin, 16 for Neesmith. I don't think either of them are 12-team league guys. Neesmith's a 14-team guy. Toppin's like a 16-team league player. And Isaiah Jackson blocked two shots in his 11 minutes, replacing Jalen Smith, if we had known about it in advance. But let's talk about... Humpty Dumpty, Benedict Matherin. He still was only the third best category league line in this game. Well, not even in this game. Th- uh, third, uh, Fifth best overall, actually. I think that's right. Uh, no, f- uh, fourth best overall in this game. Because he scored really well. And he rebounded really well as well. 26 and 11 is strong with three threes, a steal and a block. And shot well and got to the line. This, honestly, you couldn't ask for anything more from Matherin in this game. But, right, the last two games, we can get short-term blindness. It happens a lot. Matherin's last two games have been excellent. There is absolutely no debating this. Did I perhaps say that if you can drop him too early? That is 100% possible. But I'm also going off available evidence of what I saw literally all of last season and the way that he was yo-yoing or keeping down in minutes this season. Because the last two games, he's had 38 minutes and 36 minutes, 26 and 22 points, 20 combined rebounds, seven combined threes, and three steals. The four games prior... 31 total points in four games. One combined three. Um, 12 combined rebounds in four games. And played 24, 24, 22, and 15 minutes. These last two games are the only times he's hit 30 minutes this season. Didn't hit them once in the first seven games. They were preferring to use Buddy Heald. But the last two, Matherin went off. Now, these are great numbers. But what it also indicates to me is that when Matherin's got the shot falling, Carlisle's going to push the minutes up. But it also probably means that the converse is true. Or the inverse is true. Don't know which one I need to say there. If it's not falling, he's going to jerk him. 
man, Buddy Heald's going to play more minutes. And we've seen that happen to Heald's minutes. Heald played only 22 in this game after getting like 28, 29 in the other games. So while this is great for Matherin, and you might be regretting a drop, I do understand that. We do have a history of Matherin being an empty points player who is inconsistent all of last season and the first eight games of this season. If you want to add him, by all means, go ahead, knock yourself out. Probably a better points league option than a category league option. We did really, really benefit, or not benefit, we really loved his free throw attempt rate when drafting him in the late rounds of this season, and then it just didn't pan out for the first two weeks. But he's turned it around the last two. We hope that it sticks. I've still got him in one league, and I dropped him in another one, I think. If you want to go grab him, go grab him. It is a positive performance, and we hope that it indicates a strong turnaround in his production, but I wouldn't say that it's a guarantee. Today's episode is also brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy platform in North America and the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling against thousands of other players, including pros and sharks and their spreadsheets and their algorithms, you just look at player projections, player stats, and you go more or less, up to six of them. And you can win up to 25 times your money back on your entries. You can also play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like Meek Mill and Andrew Schiltz. You can now find community plays under the Promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. You get quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, an enormous selection of players and stat types. That's what makes Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. So go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. That is prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA. Use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. All right, so the last game, which is also the second game of the day, down in Mexico City. Good comeback from Atlanta. They get the win 120-119 over the Orlando Magic. Trey Young, he was on the buy low show. We said the shooting is eventually going to come around. Yeah, 41-5-8, two steals, five threes. Only shot 44%, but had 43 usage and went to the line 13 times for 12 of them. That meant that DeJounte Murray was sort of left a little bit in the wilderness. He wasn't terrible, but he had 16-3-2 with two steals on 40% shooting. He'd been rolling prior to this, Murray. A little bit of a step back. Okongwu only 21 minutes while Capella played 26, but doesn't really matter. Both guys were okay. 6-11-4 for Capella, while Onyeka had 7-2, but three steals and four blocks. Now, his defensive numbers, Okongwu had been down this season. Good to see them bounce back. Both guys are 12-team league guys. Unfortunately, I can't say the same for 26-minute legend DeAndre Hunter, who had 12 points and zero rebounds. This is the DeAndre Hunter that led him to being undrafted in basically all 12-team standard formats. Put together a nice little run at the start of the year. Went, oh, maybe. Is he is he doing it? Or is this the you know, 4-5 game mirage that we've seen before? Looking like the mirage. While the depressed penis fell limp, two points in 29 minutes on 25% shooting, he remains a stream-level player only. That just means more juice for Jalen Johnson. 19-9 and nine with two threes on 78% shooting. Continues to roll. I don't really see it stopping, honestly. While Bogdanovich had 15 in 29 minutes with three steals and three threes. He's, uh, Bogdanovich has been solid enough. I'd much rather him than Bay and Hunter at this point in a 12-team format. For the Magic, there was no Gary Harris, which isn't a surprise, but Marco Fultz and John Isaac returned. 
They started Jalen Suggs again, which they're always going to do, and he was great. 31 minutes. Wow, they've changed the uh, the stats here. I saw him get seven steals, and now they've dropped it down to five. I don't know what's real. What's the actual screen here say for Suggsy? I'm just going to try and zoom in because I'm looking at a different box score. Yeah, it says seven, and then my box score here says five. So it's between five to seven steals. We'll see how they go with that. But 21 points, 4-3, 70% shooting. Just was rough from the line, but otherwise was great. And Anthony Black moved to the bench. He was, I think he hit his first three shots, ended up with nine points and a triple one. Really hard to look at him as anything more than a streamer at this point. While Fultz had 13, two and three in 29 minutes back into the starter's role. If Fultz was dropped, I would add him. This is not a spectacular line, but I would add him. Paolo, not good from the line, but 17, eight and four is strong enough. And he obviously still remains a 12-team league guy. While Gogo Badadze started once more over Mo Wagner, that will continue. Uh, Badadze had 12 and 5 with two blocks, two of four, five, two of four from the lines, not great. Look, that is a 12 team line. And then Mo Wagner played basically all of the fourth quarter to end up with 20 minutes, 13 and 7 with two threes. Also a 12 team line. Both of these guys are 12 team uh, guys. You don't have to have them both, you don't have to have it either, but they're both welcome on a 12 team roster. Interestingly, they closed the game with neither Goga or Mo Wagner at center. They went with the Yokai himself, he who shall not be named, who can be named now because he's playing. Jonathan Isaac, 16 minutes, 12 and 7 with two blocks. He would have had another one if not for a foul on Trey Young at the end. That's great. That's a fantastic line. He's also just coming back from a missed game from hamstring soreness, which we know it's John Isaac. Um, I wouldn't rush to add him. I would consider it in 16s. I would look in 14s. We know what he can do, right? But I don't know whether he's got A, the pathway, or B, the physical capabilities to play more than this. If he's going to play at center while Wendell is out for a few minutes a game, that definitely increases the value. And that would at least, that opens my eyes to go, ah, oh, I thought he looked good for those final three minutes. I'm just not sure how much he can actually play. But Isaac here has at least got to be, you've got to open an eye and go, ah, oh, maybe, maybe. The Cole Anthony, whatever is going on with him continued. He's so up and down. It's the hardest bloke to peg, Giggity. I'm sure it's not that hard. Uh, seven points, two rebounds, two assists on 14%. I just can't work out when it's going to be good to use him. That's one of those issues, isn't it? It's just that these sort of players are very inconsistent. He shot 14%. If he hits three more shots instead of hitting one, yeah, that's 13 points, two rebounds, two assists. We go, it's actually possible. But it wasn't possible. It was bad. And that just sometimes happens. Joe Ingles also had a weird game. Three points is yuck, but... Three rebounds, five assists, three steals, and a block is really good. And it was only 29 minutes for Franz Wagner. He didn't really play much early on. He played, I think, I think he played the entirety of the fourth quarter, 29 minutes, 12 and seven. So after what was looking like a really rough start to the game, he's also a minus uh, 16 while Joe Ingles was plus 27. I reckon that might've had something to do with it. Franz did come through together in the end. Um, don't need to panic. Just obviously not an overall good game from Jingle and Joe. Let's check how we went. On the streams of the day, bit hit or miss, as they always tend to be. My 10-team stream of the day was Cole Anthony, 7-2-2. Two, two. That's absolutely yuck. But the 12-team, absolutely banged. That was Jalen Suggs. 12-3 and three rebounds, one assist, seven steals, or maybe five. And a block, or sorry, sorry zero blocks. And then the 12-team points was Cole Anthony, and that was a real fart in your mouth too. 9.4 fantasy points there for Cole Cole Anthony. Um, if we go to the deeper league ones, Jay Crowder was our 14-team stream of the day. He had 5-4-1 with a steal. Not too bad. But the 16-team was Andrew Nempart, and that hit. 10-2-2 two, two with a steal and zero blocks. Like, just getting someone who's available in 90-plus percent of leagues who's going to play 20, 21 minutes, which is what Nempart was, works out usually, usually pretty well. And that, that was the way it worked out there. 
So let's go in now to the monstrous line of the night. I don't think it's particularly challenging to figure out who it's going to be. Although, there were three really, really strong contenders, but we're going to go with the 54-point legend, Yanni Antetokounmpo. 54 points, 12 rebounds, and an amazing 89% on huge volume from the free throw line. That is not what you usually get out of Giannis. The waiver wire line of the night is next. The best performance from a player who's available on over 50% of waiver wires. We are going to the man, Jalen Suggsy Suggs. 21 points between five to seven steals and shot 70% from the field. The young gun of the night, the best fantasy performer who's in their first or second season. I don't really think there's going to be a debate here because it is ex-Benedict Matherin. 26 points, 11 rebounds, two assists, two really, really strong games in a row. You can add him, but just be aware of the emptiness of the game and the inconsistencies that we've seen. And the dud of the night, the worst performing player who's rostered in over 70% of leagues. Now, Cole Anthony would have qualified for this, but he's not rostered in 70% of leagues, so that's why he doesn't get it. And this man's defensive stats were good. Brook Lopez, but he had two points and one rebound and shot 14%. So he had three blocks and two steals, which is good. But overall, he was the worst performing category league player for the day who was rostered in over um, in over 70% of leagues. Lastly, we go through now and look at the top six performers for the day to round it out on a nice little comfortable two-game um, two slate in the NBA. So your top six, nine category league performers today. Number one was Giannis. Number two was Halliburton. Number three, Trey Young. Number four, Benedict Matherin. Number five was Bruce Brown. And then number six was Miles Turner. Your top six players rostered in under 50% of leagues. Jalen Suggs at number one. Yeah, he's worth an ad. Uh, Malik Beasley, some good minutes for him today with Lillard out. I'm not really sure we want to deal with him outside of deeper leagues. Anthony Black, really good and helped by the, the steal, the block, and the 75% shooting. That's just deeper league stuff. Uh, Joe Ingles, a bit fluky, don't worry there. Mo Wagner, I think, is a 12-team league player. And then Andrew Nempard, a nice deeper league option. And then lastly, we look at the top six performers in points leagues for the action on Thursday. Number one was Giannis, followed by Trey Young, Tyrese Halliburton, Benedict Matherin, Jalen Suggs, and Bruce the Shark Brown. Guys, that will do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app and on YouTube. Thumb it up and leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.